Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, brought to you by eyesupmindset.com. Go check it out. You can see all of our resources, our services. If you or someone you know is looking to take the next step in the mental skill game or to improve your performance in some way, we'd love to have you reach out to us. I'm John Shirky. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, as always, good to see you. What's happening today? Beautiful day in Minnesota, like 36 out here. For those of you somewhere else, 36 in the beginning of January is a wonderful day in in Minnesota. It's a weird out. winter. A weird winter, man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, beautiful out. Uh, happy to be here having a conversation with you. Excited about the conversation we're about to bring to you guys. Yeah. Cool episode today. Um, gets a little bit personal for us. And it's, you know, it's a personal, someone that I know really well. He's my cousin, uh, Thomas Renner. He's a life coach and a yoga instructor. And we talk a little bit about kind of his journey in those two things. And, and then really the, the power of choice and how, you know, uh, we have this misconception about choice and the things that we do on a daily basis. No question. And one of the things that I I need to thank you for, again, as always, I have things to thank you for, is like you are kind of a fulcrum point for relationships in my life also. You know, like I, I it's kind of a spoke and a wheel thing, right? Where in a lot of ways you're the center of that wheel and you add spokes. And I'm like, man, you know, Thomas, I, I want to have more conversations with him because he challenges, mm -hmm. you know, and like, and we're aligned in a lot of things, but in, in some ways he's going to push us and challenge us and look into those things and say, why is that uncomfortable? Why don't you? And he does that in the episode. And that's when it gets a little bit personal and it should with the relationship, you know, that you guys have. And I, I think that that's, there's tremendous value in building your community. And, and for that, I thank you because you continue to add those spokes to the wheel for me. Those of you out there, this is me thanking John again for another something. So, uh, and that was simply this, the connection to Thomas and, and what he gave us today. So. No. And I, I think he, people out there are going to connect with his message and, and the things that he tells us in this episode. And I'm excited for you to hear it. Take some notes, write it down, start living eyes up. Thomas Renner. Thomas, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. It is certainly our pleasure and mine absolute pleasure as your cousin to join you to our uh, show today. Love it. Keep it in the family. Tell us a little bit about what you do and, and kind of take this whatever direction you want to as far as your journey. You, you started, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of things in the fitness world as an instructor. Um, and then now you're making a transition into a different kind of avenue in you know in in your work so tell us a little bit about kind of where you were and where you are now and kind of some of the in between yeah well two things really quickly one um thank you again so much for having me it's an honor um to be here and two i hope to include things of value and things of non-value i feel like that is what makes conversations interesting uh but no yeah so essentially i was an overweight fat kid. I mean, I know that you can probably have some sort of relation to 
playing sports, it's like, it's okay being the fat kid in sports in a lot of ways. It's a little more accepted, especially like with football. But uh, I was a choir kid. <laughs> so that sort of like didn't lend itself to any uh, positive real upbringing when it came to school. So I sort of had my own origin story with my weight loss journey. I just knew that in experiencing that journey that I was meant to help people. And I really wasn't sure what capacity that was going to be in. And immediately your mind goes to, okay, well, you lost weight. So help people do the same thing. And I did that after going to school for musical theater because I was truly following my passion. But I think one of the biggest values I've learned in my life is that your passions can shift and ebb and flow and change. And you can actually control that. That is something that you can actually make a conscious choice to do. And so I chose, you know what? Theater is awesome. I just didn't really want it bad enough. Didn't want to work hard enough. So let me go into fitness. If I could go back and tell myself, hey, that's going to be twice as hard. <laughs> I might not have made the same choice. Uh, but here we are. And I got my certification to be a personal trainer and got into teaching cycling. And I, I still continue to teach cycling. Um, I teach for Equinox now. And I taught for a flywheel for a little over seven years. It was a company that just um, recently dissolved. And that really changed my life. And in teaching cycling, I learned a couple of different things. One, I really enjoy cycling for myself and I enjoy teaching it. However, it's not my end goal. Uh, and I had to like make that decision for myself and, and do the deep dive into why is that? How did you get, how did you get to that point? I took some time off from doing it and then I went back to it and I was like, huh, I think I like other things at this stage of my life a little bit better and or I really like cycling for me, like as my form of movement. Um, all that to be said, while I was teaching at Flywheel, um, I've been taking a lot of yoga classes and I was like, you know what, I really do enjoy this. And it was sort of a way for me to integrate my it's interesting. I'm using the word spiritual and we can obviously digress and dive into that later. <laughs> uh, but I used, uh, it was a way to integrate my spirituality um, and movement together. And that is kind of where my real passion lies is really teaching yoga um, and providing an experience for people to open their minds and their hearts up to what their true possibility is, which is really what life coaching is about in so many ways. It's allowing you to co-create this environment um, where a client or, or the person can dive into the realm of possibility for their life, taking away and stripping away all the judgments and um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Things they're supposed to do that we're, we think we're supposed to do. But anyway, that was sort of how I got to where I am now. So. I recognized that while I was teaching fitness too, that I was teaching fitness because people said I would be good at it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I should do this because I'm good. Someone thinks I'm good at it. So I was like, oh, external validation, ding, check that box. I should do that and be successful. Well, great, I'm successful at it. And I'm still doing it because somebody else said I would be good at it. So life coaching is something that I want to do. And I think that's what the most exciting um, track that I came on to was pretty powerful for me as an individual. So I when you're, oh, go ahead. When Jerry. you're working oh. with clients or individuals and you come across this, like, I think the word we're 
we I kind of heard when you were searching was obligation, right? This sense of obligation to things. Like, how do you balance and for yourself? And because I think a lot of people listening might be having the same question. Well, there's all these things. I, not only I should do, but I there have to do's for me because I'm going to break a social contract. I'm going to. I'm, there's people have these expectations of me that say I should be this thing. When in reality, what, what you're saying might be counter to that, that thing that you're feeling, that passion, that excitement, that joy that you find when you chase the thing that you want to chase isn't there when you're serving these obligations or these duties or these should do's. But yet we still feel like we have to walk through the door on that. How do you give someone the freedom, even our listeners potentially, how do you give someone the freedom to say that should do is just a thing in your mind. Cause I've felt that way. Certainly, you know, where it's, yeah. this is, a, this is a thing in my head. That's not actually real. Yeah. It's a total, it's a brilliant question. And instinctively I try to follow my intuition and my intuition here is to really allow us to remind ourselves that it's just about the relationship to the expectation is it an expectation that you feel like you have to have. Like uh, I use, I use, have a lot of empty nesters um, as my clients. And it's like, they're like, but I have to take care of my kids. While that may be true, what is your relationship to having to take care of your kids? It's like, how do they dive into- Say more about that. Like, what does that mean? Your relationship to that obligation? Yeah. So think of it, think of it like this. You have kids because you want to have kids, right? Cool. Well, let's say you want to have a date night, but you say, well, I can't have a date night because I have to take care of my kids. Well, you don't. Like, you could make a different choice here. You could hire a babysitter find a family member that wants to help you. You could ask for help in a different way to be able to still have the things that you want and desire, not because it's obligatory. That's a kind of a, that's kind of a really deep example that probably could be a trigger for many people. So I'm just going to tread lightly there, but I'm just saying like, it's about the choice of, is this an obligation or do I really want to do this? Um, we live in a very selfless society in a lot of ways. And um, that might not be how people feel in a lot of instances currently with the climate. However, um, in order to take care of others, in a lot of ways, you have to take care of yourself first. So in the relationship to your obligation, or in this case, my career, like in order for me to be, show up as my best self, I had to actually make a choice for me to choose a career path that was going to fulfill me so I could be a fulfillment or act as a fulfillment for others. I think that's so intuitively true, right? We, we know and we understand that deeply in our person when we reflect on it. The, the problem is we don't reflect on it terribly often because of the grind of life, the hustle and bustle, all the things that we think we should be doing. I think if anything, even just the question that I asked before and gave a really succinct answer on it, I think is like, you don't have to do these things. You, you can choose to do the things that you want. You just have to make a different choice. And sometimes that different choice is just simply take a second, reflect and find out, is this what I want to be doing? And then how do you, how do you help people walk through the door on that? You know, like how do when you have somebody saying, I, I want to do this thing, but I just, I'm stuck. <laughs> Like I, yeah. I, it's hard. Uh, I, it's funny that you sort of segue there because that's exactly why someone would hire a life coach is because they're intuitively not answering or asking themselves these really deep thought provoking questions about expectations, obligations. 
And those are the exact things that we dive into um, to really give you a little bit of an intro into what my coaching is based. It's based in ontology. So like the study of how you're being around something. So that's why we ask those kind of questions in a way to propel your life forward. Um, but you just asked me a different question. Um, like how, how do you walk people through that door, right? When they're, yeah, when so they're stuck. where is there somewhere in your life right now where you feel you have an obligation to something? That got real in a hurry. Um, it might even be like sales in relationship to our business, right? There is this sales obligation that is hard for us with a service mindedness, right? I think that that is more, feels more obligation than, um, than desired at times. Cool. That's a great, that's a great example. So my question for you is what has it that you view sales as being hard? You use the word hard. Yeah. That's, that's intuitively like, again, that's really, um, challenging because hard to me is the, it's the fear of failing, right? That's, that's where it is, right? It's the, um, what if someone says no and what does that mean about me or us or all this stuff? Yeah. It's really cool that you just said that because something that I've been working on with my coach a lot and that I do work with my clients too, is having that not mean anything about you. When someone tells you, no, it it doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. That's, that's challenging, but it, we also work on that, right? I mean, we also work on, on this reality that people are, are pretty like, so you said selfless and I, and I, I think you're right that most people don't think that that's true right now because of the state of the world. But I think in our country, we, we are very much developed in a, in a sense that is service oriented. We're going to serve people and we're going to be selfless. It's, you know, kind of the Max Weber Protestant ethic. We're going to work hard and we're going to serve other people. And like, we're just going to, you know, all that stuff. And yet in the same sense, like we, we feel guilty if we serve ourselves. Right. So that like that, that is that selflessness that you're talking about. And especially, I think, you know, we're Midwesterners, you know, John and I, like there's a, I'm Minnesota nice, right. There's this sense that we're supposed to do the things that other people want us to do. And, um, like unlocking so, uh, that. I'll, I'll, let me, uh, I'll relate this to myself if you're okay with that. For sure. um, when it came to teaching cycling at flywheel and the sudden, um, the devastation that it ended so abruptly, I had found, I had related my identity to my career. And so all of a sudden I had to ask myself these questions of, well, who am, who am, like, what do I like to do? Like, do I like to vacation? Do I like to swim? Do I like to eat Doritos on the couch? Like I didn't know because I had focused all of my energy on serving other people and what they wanted that think about or consider how much you could do for others when you actually know what those things are for you too. Because how are we supposed to set an example if we're not actually doing that for ourselves as well? Yeah. And I, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I think for me personally, that's, that's kind of where I am at in probably my personal life professionally. Like I kind of have the things that I'm doing. Right. But there's times where personally it's like, what, what do I want to do? 
I do a lot of things and I love my wife in a ton and she has a ton of hobbies and interests and things. And it's just easy for me to say, yes, I want to do those things with you. Like those things sound fun. And then I do them, but I don't know how many of those things I do for me. Right. And then when she asks me, what, what do you want to do? It's like, whatever you, whatever you think is good. Right. And I think that's the selfless part that you're talking about is like, and for me, I know that I'm deferential to some of those things. Um, I want to go back to Jamie, you were talking about the have to's right. The obligation. And I I was just, I spent some time with, with my sister-in-law and McCall, I know you're listening to this. So shout out to you here, but we were, we were talking about um, it was kind of over Christmas and we were in a, um, a place where, her family, her husband was going to go fishing the next day and had to get up early. And the night before she's like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go. I, but what time do we have to get up? And I said, and I kind of stopped her and I said, well, what if we just change that one word from have to, or have to get. And I said, how does that change your perspective? Cause she was talking about, okay, what time do I have to get up? I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And then when I had her change the, just that one word and it was like, what time do I get to get up? Then she started to think about the actual choice. And she's like, well, do I actually want to get up at 5.30 and make lunch and get all these things ready to go? Or do I want to sleep in and have coffee on the, you know, on the deck? And so she then chose to, to do the second part. And, and it wasn't a big deal to her husband that she wasn't going. because And I think he actually was happy that she chose to do something that she wanted to do rather than something she had to do. And I I just think the power of just changing that one thing. And I think if you're listening out there, there is a time today that you're going to say to yourself, Oh, I have to go do this. Well, if you just change it to, I get to now you are again, choosing that, or you get to make a different choice. Yeah. What I hear and what you're saying too, John is, that one choice is right and one choice is wrong when consider they're both just choices i i think that's so hard right and i I don't i want to keep coming back to this word hard but i think it's hard for us that have been conditioned Mm -hmm. right and there is a there is certainly a conditioning around all of this that is that has been developed over a course of a lifetime and it gets developed relatively easily like, I, I mean, we have a one-year-old and sometimes I'm just like, she should not do this. And my wife, saintly, right? She reminds me that she can't make that choice right now. She doesn't understand the consequences of that action. And sometimes the consequences have to be natural, right? Sometimes we can spare her those consequences, but like, it is a choice that she's making. And, you know, like it's, we don't want her on the table because she's going to fall off, which has happened recently because she's adventurous. But at the same time, right? Like that is the moment where it's, you get to choose and the consequences consequences will be natural in some way. And it's not right or wrong. It's just a choice. And we have been conditioned through school, through parenting, through all of these things that there are rights and wrongs and yeses and nos. And I say this to my wife all the time in the converse, it's not always A or B, right? There's C through Z that we can explore also, but that's uncomfortable. Mm, what a great word. 
I mean, that's really, uh, I'll use the word that I used earlier is the realm of possibility, right? And like life yeah. coaching, we want to look at what the realm of possibility is. If this is your comfort zone, this is possibility. You have to leave that space in order to have that experience. But to leave this space, you have to choose. Hmm. I think, again, I'm, I'm reminded of how much of our default kind of keeps us in the box also, right? When we, when we are in this kind of default choices mode, we let other things choose for us. We've automated so much of our lives in a lot of ways. And sometimes that's really great, right? I, I think if you were to read business books, like automate as much as possible when possible, but also don't give away your autonomy and don't give away your ability to choose. And like, that's the thing that John and I use with teams a lot is stop and reflect. Don't just let these things be automatic when they don't have to be. Step in, make a choice, take some action for yourself. And, you know, that's personally incredibly powerful also. Yeah, we talk about in coaching, they're called survival mechanisms. You have an automatic way of being every day. The minute you wake up, you instinctively know how you're going to be. But it's acknowledging and that being in that moment of saying, okay, do I want to choose to do that? Or do I want to choose something different today? Like the whole um, McCall's, what time do I have to get up? What time do I get to wake up? She gets to make that choice in that moment. She could have woken up the next morning at 5 a.m. Be like, you know what? Here I go. I want to go. Right. Totally. Totally. So we're talking a lot about choices and I think you kind of, brought me to where my head goes next and something that I'm interested in hearing kind of your perspective and, and a little bit about kind of your, how you organize some of the things in your life. But um, in order to be able to choose, right, you have to have some organizational structure of your day, sure. your life, the things that you, you know, um, do need to accomplish, the things that you want to accomplish, uh, the things that you would like to do with your with your time. Um, one of the things that I have been, I told you this yesterday, kind of getting ready for our, our podcast was like, I have been able to see you grow in this area over the last year or so in terms of kind of taking control of your life by organizing it. Um, and again, take that however you want in, in terms of what tools do you use to kind of organize it and how do you put those processes in place to kind of give yourself opportunity to, to choose more than it just happening by default. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this because my brain goes in so many different directions, but I will, um, this isn't even a plug, but it can be. It's like having a life coach for the past six months has been life transforming for me in becoming aware of certain things that I was or wasn't doing that were really serving me. And one of the things that always comes to mind when you ask me about what organizational tools is I was actually given this journal by an old writer of mine. He, I would consider him a friend now. Zach, if you listen, it's me. Uh, and when I was reading it, one of the instructions when you fill out your calendar, because I have an uh, online calendar, a Google, Google calendar, and I also have one in my journal that is just like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., and I fill out every single second of the day. And the reason I do that is, well, let me backtrack. 
when I initially read that, I was my survival mechanism stood up really loud and clear and said, God, that's so overwhelming. You couldn't possibly schedule every ounce of your day that what could you possibly do? What I realized was that's just an outline that says, okay, great. At noon, I'd like to have lunch. Well, my 11 a.m. meeting went over into 1230. So now I know that there's a regimented schedule that I can return to to allow me to not be overwhelmed. It's like, okay, I now need to make a shift. What can I shift if I even need to? Or say, you know what? Lunch can be this part of the day or lunch could um, just be shortened. But at the end of the day, I have that outline to say, okay, cool. Well, I didn't get that done or I did get that done. Cool, great. I can check it off. But I never was overwhelmed and felt like I didn't accomplish anything because I would go through a whole day and do so much stuff and be like, man, I didn't do anything today. Yeah. How horrible is that? Like you accomplished so many things. And yet at the end of the day, you're like, man, I didn't do anything. Well, Well, (laughs) it's a lie. And there's now a record, right? There's, there is some measurement tool sitting there saying I did this for this long today and I, it wasn't enough. Right. Or it was enough. And I, maybe it was too much. I, I block an hour for this and I got done in 25 minutes. I don't need an hour the next time it goes in the schedule. I can do it in 25 minutes. And so I did a little time blocking this summer and my, and it was really great. And then life happens and I, and I faded away from it. And the, the best thing for me about it was though, is that I shared it with my wife and with John actually. So like my, my business partner is like a marriage. We've said that before. And so he got to see kind of what I was up to at a given time, but it was about, it was about accountability and like, I, I would schedule in a nap or to play guitar or to read or to write or to do the things that I wanted to do. And nobody questioned me about it, even though I had shared it. Like, they're like, okay, that's great. Cause over here, it says, you're going to do this thing that I have expectations for you about, you know, and you're committing to being a part of that thing with me over here. So go ahead and do the things that you want to do over there. It's just a, it was a great communication tool. And I, and regretfully, have fallen off of that. Cause I did it for about two months. Right. Um, and then it again felt you, you said it, this survival tool goes up because circumstances have changed. We bought a house, we started renovating survival tool goes up. And I said, I can't possibly do that right now because there's so many other things like, and actually it would have been super helpful going through that process <laughs> for all of the other people in my life that needed to know when my time was being given to the house too, to the renovation project. So I just think that uh, it's such a, a powerful tool and it feels gigantic, um, but it's not, is what I would say. And it helps you do this thing that we challenge people to when you set goals, measure them. And we oftentimes don't understand or know how to measure them. We'll just write them down and then get some data, you know, like that's part of it. Yeah. And it's also a great tool because at the end of the day where I used to be like, well, I didn't do anything, but here's a list of things that I actually accomplished. It's saying, well, no, like I acknowledge myself for everything that I set out to do and I actually accomplished them. Like, I think we look for, and I will say I did, when I did sports, this happened, when I did theater, this happened is we always look for external validation of our achievements we don't actually acknowledge ourselves for how hard we actually worked or the things that we actually accomplished because we find more value in someone else telling us that. I'm not living my life for the other person. I'm living my life. So why not self-acknowledge yourself for all your accomplishments? 
Good stuff. I, no, I mean, I, I, you got my brain just kind of spinning right now, but, um, so I have a therapist brain spinning. Uh, Hey, it happens. It happens. So a couple of things and mostly clarification sake. I mean, we've kind of been talking about life coaching a little bit flippantly in terms of uh, we all assume we know what it means. And I'm going to be the first one to admit there's sometimes when I hear that term life coach, right. And it's like, well, what, what is that? And I, I think perhaps there's some value in taking some time and saying like, what is a actually a life coach? And if you're out there listening, how would you know, like, can a life coach provide value for me? Don't say it's for everybody because I, it may or may not be, but like, if you're, if, if to our listeners, you know, how would you know that a life coach could benefit you um, in terms of what you are doing? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, coaching is not new, but using the word life in front of it for some reason gives it this connotation that we're doing life wrong and we need to now do life right. Coaching has been in the executive community for years. I mean, it, it was almost a status symbol, right? If you're an executive at a company, like they gave you a coach to make you better. You hire a coach when you are a football player, <laughs> you have a baseball coach, like coaching is not new, but when you add life to it, it suddenly it's like, oh God, that means I'm depressed or I'm not, I'm not achieving anything or I'm worthless. Well, all of these things are completely irrelevant. When you think about what life coaching is, um, I'll say a little bit of what it's not first, because sometimes when you see things from what it's not, you can then open your eyes to what it could be, is life coaching is not where I give you advice. I'm not going to sit here to tell you like, you should do this. Life coaching is a co-creative environment where you want to achieve X, Y, and Z, whether it be in your relationship, whether it be in your career, whether it be, uh, I mean, there's an endless amount of possibilities there that we look at the gaps. So where are you? Where do you want to be? And what's the gap that's actually not allowing you to achieve that? And I ask probing questions to make you think. For instance, we had one of those probing questions earlier that said, um, uh, what does that mean about you? So we ask those questions to actually get us thinking about what is it that we truly want and how can we get there? And it's a co-creative environment. So like you, as a, as a coach, I view the client, like the client's the expert in their own life. I just happen to create this environment to where I'm the mirror. I get to be your reflection and you can speak and I'll ask questions, just getting curious. I think this is so interesting to me that we don't have coaches and I, you know, like we've referenced the Michael Lewis against the rules podcast before, where he talks about coaching and the rise of coaching and how valuable coaching actually is. It's interesting. And you haven't listened to it. He hires a singing coach, which is kind of cool. Um, but <laughs> the, the reality is, is that coach gives you the feedback that you need to make more intentional choices. And, and on our model, right, the deliberate practice model, that's the K Anders Erickson stuff that goes way back to the beginning of our podcast is intentional, measured, difficult feedback. Well, where are you getting feedback in your life if you don't have someone that's either a, a peer or a really good friend, but with a coach, you're doing it with somebody that's been there and done it with other people before that's a little bit down the road for you. And like me as a football coach, as an athlete, you want that feedback. You want to be told that didn't go well. I don't know why, why, right. Or yeah. <laughs> to ask the question, 
right? And it's funny you say that because the first thing that always comes to my mind is you said, I want that feedback. Well, you'd be surprised how many people say they want feedback, For but sure. they really don't. But John really and I had that conversation this morning, I think. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't ever use that phrasing, but there were, there were some challenging thoughts and conversations being had and they were feedback and they were hard and you, you shrink sometimes you, you hear it and you're like, I don't like go away with that. I don't need that right now. When in reality, having a practice of improvement is about getting the things you need when you need them. And sometimes the, the feedback that's hard is exactly what you need. And potentially not making that feedback mean anything about you. That's really good. That's really good. I, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah. It's my, I mean, that has been one of my biggest transformations this year is, is when some, and I'll use it in the term of business, for instance, if like I'm working with a client and they're like, you know what? That's too much money for me. No, thank you. Their no didn't mean anything about me, my services, my worth, my authenticity. It just means that in their world, right then and there, no was the best answer that they had for themselves. And we both move forward. And that's tough to swallow. Am I here to tell you that it's that easy every time? A thousand percent no. But I know that I can make a choice to either wallow in that and let all of my actions be dictated by how I feel about it. Or I can say, it means something about me. What's next on my list? My calendar. What's my next activity? Move forward. And it again, it prioritizes choosing to act right like i'm gonna make a choice to move forward right now and that that combines the the message of this individual episode to the broader vision of eyes up mindset which is take a step get better improve don't sit in the discomfort of the emotion like go to the discomfort of choice because that's also uncomfortable yeah, and I, I think, um, how do I ex express this? People talk about like the power of positive thinking. While that is a thousand percent like a great concept and in, in, um, in reality it can be a tool that you use, I think there is something to be said for sitting in that discomfort. Be like, okay, well, what is actually there? Yeah. What, why am I uncomfortable? What does that mean? Where is that going to take me? and actually asking those questions versus like, I'm uncomfortable, let me get out of here. Okay, I'm gonna go eat this. And then you go all of a sudden go into all those things that make you comfort, food, exercise, which I'm using that exercise in sort of a negative way, but you go to those um, comfort things without actually addressing, why am I uncomfortable? Well, you, you asked the question earlier, right? You asked the second question about why was sales uncomfortable, right? Why is that? Sometimes just sitting long enough to ask the second question or the third question. We just had a guest on that said five whys, right? Ask the fifth time and you might get to an answer that's going to tell you a lot about your motivation, someone else's motivation, where and how to move forward. Yeah. Thomas, what's, what's something, um, a book, a podcast, uh, something that is growing and stretching you right now? in terms of your own personal growth that you might recommend to, to somebody listening? Yeah. Um, I was thinking of all the books that I'm reading right now. I feel like I'm overloaded with books, which is amazing. <laughs> and uh, 
mind blowing because I think I've read a total of three books in the past, like, I don't know, 34 years of my life. So maybe uh, it's not a book. Let's <laughs> say again. So maybe it's not a book. Uh, no, well, there are two things. The first one is, which might be uh, surprising and not surprising, depending on if people that are listening either know me or not, but Jillian Michaels has a podcast and she's been a huge inspiration for me my entire life. Uh, ever since obviously the biggest loser, so maybe not my entire life, but like I went on her, um, the Jillian Michaels cruise, like basically we worked out for like three or four days and like she had speaking engagements. We got to see all of those. Um, but seeing her evolve from being full-time fitness to getting married, to having a, a child, to having two children. And now she's in this sort of realm of like fitness is her bread and butter. But at the end of the day, she's so much more than that. And to see someone transform in that way. And she brings on these incredible guests who have written hundreds of books and all of these TED talks. And it's just a great listen if you want to get a sort of a well-rounded view. And she actually just changed her podcast name to call, it's called Keeping It Real. Um, so I would encourage people to go look at that. And then I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole here, but I've had a very long spiritual journey with my relationship to what the word God is and uh, with, in relationship to my mom. And I'm actually reading a book called Conversations with God. And it is mind blowing. That is just the best word I can use. So I would, I would say those two things, the Jillian Michaels podcast, which is called keeping it real and uh, conversations with God. I couldn't tell you the author. I'm terrible. That's okay. I'll look we'll, it we'll up. It. We'll put it in the show, show notes. Yeah. Thomas, where, if people are looking for life coaching and they want to contact you, they want to follow your stuff, where can they, get a hold of your social media or anything else in terms of contact for you? Yeah. So first and foremost, Instagram, it's Thomas Renner official. It's three words all together. Um, my Facebook page is Thomas Renner coaching. So it's always my name with either coaching or official. And then by the end of this month, my website will have launched. It's thomasrenner.org where you can contact me. You can schedule um, 30 minute complimentary sessions. I'm just going to get the feel of like what coaching is. So that is kind of a point of difference that I do offer 30 minute complimentary sessions where you kind of get the feel of what a coaching session might be like um, to see if we're a good fit together, if coaching is right for you, because um, kind of go back to what you asked about therapy versus coaching. Um, they do have some overlap, but like therapy really dives into like past trauma and like working through and healing that where consider that coaching is more present and future focused, um, less about working through the trauma, more about Maybe we would address the past, but get to the future and get to really what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, thomasrenner.org, Thomas Renner Coaching on Facebook and Thomas Renner Official on Instagram. Uh, and I send me a DM, ask any questions you have. Awesome, man. It was great having you. Uh, some challenging stuff in here that I can't wait to have a conversation with John about. And hopefully at some point we're on a hike having a similar conversation someday. Uh, so. I'll be joining you on the hike. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. I Always appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank y'all. Thank you again to Thomas for joining us. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. Rate, review, subscribe to that. Jamie, a ton of stuff in there today, and it got pretty personal and, and kind of hit real close to home for us. What'd you take away from, from the conversation? The thing that I reflect on often after we get done or have an introduction with a new group or a new individual that we work with 
is the takeaway from their perspective is how valuable this word intentional is. And the thing that Thomas challenged us with is that choices is a way to execute on that intention. And we need at times to realize that the choice hasn't been taken from us, that it doesn't have to be default and that there can be another option. It's not A or B always. And they're not right or wrong. That is really hard for me sometimes to not think that there's a right answer. I want to seek the right answer. When in reality, just make another choice. Take another step. Be intentional. And growth will follow. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>